0: Guys, um, we were talking yesterday, or last week, just about, the, uh, uh, just about how uncomfortable a lot of times the, um, uh, the, the conversation about money really is, and I don't understand why. I, have you guys heard the, the term, money does strange things to people? Have you heard that? Well, um, I, I, I like to kind of flip that around and say, money does strange things to me, and if you are uncomfortable talking about money, if money is a weird concept for you, um, then uh, that really says something about us. Okay, it, it really does. It says something that there's something broken within us when you can't talk uh, freely about about money. And so um, we are uh, <laughs> my my. I am noteless today, you guys, uh, so my, my sermon is not, not working, uh, so uh, it's, it's fine, I'll have to, to improv it. Well, today we're talking about John Wesley's um, uh, statement on, on it's, the, it's the best Christian financial ethic I've ever seen. It's, it simply says, it says, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. They like they make three stools of a uh, three legs of a tripod. If you knock out any one of those, the whole thing falls apart. But earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can, and that is what I, I that that is the best Christian teaching on money I've ever heard in my life. Okay, and so we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. So today we're talking about earn all you can, and guys, we have to start with that. We have to start with having the proper relationship to money. A lot of us don't. We don't. We don't, we don't think for some reason we don't think that, uh, uh, that that God has anything to say about our finances. But guys, get this: main thing is today that uh, it is not a sin to earn. Poverty is not holiness. Laziness is not a spiritual discipline, okay? The Bible draws very, very close uh, correlation between work and prosperity and laziness and poverty, okay? That that is all over the Bible. Work leads to prosperity. Laziness leads to poverty. And I I understand that that, that's a general rule, but over the course of your life, if you work, if you have the right relationship to work, then you will not be in poverty, what the Bible tells us. Okay, and so uh, with that, uh, I, I ask people, "How broke are you? How broke are you?" And uh, uh, this this is how a lot of us are right here. Uh, you know, we got we got shrimp. Oh, thank you, thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Uh, how broke are you? If that is you today, I've got good news because we're going to talk about what the Bible says about about work. So the first thing we're going to have to do, guys, we're going to have to detox. We're going to have to detox from some, some very, very um, wrong thinking that we have about, uh, um, about poverty and about uh, money and, and everything like that, the first thing that we gotta detox is this, it's not a sin to be wealthy, nor is it morally superior to be poor, okay? It's not, it's not a sin to be wealthy, the Bible never once says that it is a sin to have things. The Bible says is that you have to be responsible with it, but it is not a, a, a less spirit to be poor. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, another one bag, each according to his ability. Isn't that interesting? That your ability determines how much God blesses you. Okay, your attitude your, the, the, the owner knew what these, what these people would do with the money. And so, uh, according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. That seemed like a pretty good investment by the owner, doesn't it? He gave the guy five bags and who knew he'd put it to work and, and get five more. That's a wise investment. So the question is, is God's money wisely invested in you? That's the question. So also the two, the one with two bags of gold, gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. The master knew his servants very well, didn't he? He didn't give the guy who would go hide it in the ground five bags; he gave him one. He knew the man's character. So in verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came master. He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Exact same response. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The master was just as pleased with five as was two because it was what the people did with it. Okay? Never forget that. Then the man who received one bag of gold came master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. That's a, not a good thing to tell your boss. Hey, hey boss, I know you're a jerk. I knew you take credit for things you didn't do, right? Is that how you approach a meeting with your boss? Not, not wise. Like I said, he knew the man's character. Well, then uh, he said, uh, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew i harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that I, when I return, I would receive it back with interest. And then get this. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. That's a pretty powerful parable, isn't it? That's that's the son of God talking to us here. You got to pay attention to that. God commends the two that take what God has given them and produces more. Then he rebukes the one who does nothing. Okay? Notice that there is no set amount that pleases God. One, two bags, one five, no set amount. They both doubled what they were given. And so that is what pleases God. Not just what you've given, but what you do with it. Okay? Earn all you can. The second thing is this. And this is, this is revolutionary for a lot of us today, okay? Revolutionary. Choose this, work is a healthy, good thing that God assigned us to do. I understand that that may, you guys may not like that because I know all the complaining that goes on week after week, day after day, complaining about the boss, complaining about having to go to work, loving Fridays, hating Mondays, right? Huh? Well, guys, that means we have the wrong relationship to work. Work is a healthy, good thing that existed before the fall, before the fall in Genesis 3. Genesis 2, 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. it was, work is part of God's original design for us. And guys, we need to embrace work. It is something that God gives us. It is something that God wants us to do. And it shows our character how we approach work. Okay? That's the very first task God gave humanity was to work. It wasn't to love people, it wasn't to rest, it wasn't to sleep, it wasn't to eat, it was to work. That was the first thing he got us. Many of us have a terrible attitude towards work. We really do. How many of y'all are guilty of having a terrible attitude towards work? I, I get it. I've had jobs I've hated, and I've not looked for, look, look forward to going to them and everything like that. I appreciated being able to pay my bills, but I whined about the method that, that God provided for me to pay my bills, and that was, to, that was to my shame. So guys, do you spend time complaining about it? If we ask your family, what would they say your attitude is about work? Did you grow up around parents that couldn't wait to retire? Did you grow up around parents that whined and complained about Monday, complained about it, celebrated on Friday? Did you grow up around parents like that? A lot of us did. Are you doing that with your kids if you have children? Have you passed on that complaining, that terrible attitude about work to the next generation? We all know people that do that. Uh, we got to get our attitude towards work correct, guys. We need to repent of our attitude towards this amazing thing that God has given us. Third thing we need to detox from, we're supposed to work as if working for the Lord, not human masters, okay? Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. Stop right there. When you go to work tomorrow, I want you to work as if God was your boss, not the person that is in authority over you. You're supposed to work as if God was your boss, Okay, students, you're supposed to learn as if God was your teacher, not your te- not the teacher in the classroom. Verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The way you work reflects on God's character. God's name will look great or look terrible depending on how you show up to the office or how you show up to school. By our work ethic, we can demonstrate the greatness of God's name or the, 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 the valueless of it. What is christ's Christ value? See, guys, I want to, I want to, before I uh, go any further, I want to exist. There's a continuum. Laziness all the way over here, and over here is workaholism, because I know the workaholics in here are hearing like, Yes. I need to put. I start putting in, you know, twenty hours a week or twenty hours a day and yeah, twenty hours a week. Yeah, twenty hours a day, and, and I just gotta go, go, go because that's what I love to do. No, workaholism is is an addiction, just like uh, meth or or heroin or anything like that. Okay, laziness and workaholism is this, is the continuum right here. We're not supposed to be it either. We're not supposed to be lazy. We're not supposed to be workaholic. We're supposed to achieve the balance in between the two. Okay. But how did the first two workers in the parable view God, what God has given them? How did they view the work? They viewed it as a blessing. They went and they put it to work. They were excited that God had invested, that their master invested them in this, and, and, and they went and, and, and doubled it. They looked at work as a blessing. And obviously they had a very high opinion of the master because they wanted to increase his holdings, right? They had a very high opinion of the master, okay? And what, how did the third worker view it? The third worker viewed it as a chore. Oh, dang it, he's given me this, and now I have to put it to work. You know, how dare he? So I want to ask you, is work a blessing, or is it a chore to you, church? Okay? And the fourth thing that we have to detox from is this. You're not entitled to anything. You're not entitled to anything. There's nothing that anybody or God owes you in this life. And the second you realize that, the happier you're going to be. Entitlement will destroy your joy. It will destroy your work ethic. It will destroy everything that you enjoy in life. If you feel entitled, if you use the words, I deserve, I think I've earned, if you use those kind of words all the time, you are going to be one miserable human being, and you're going to be like that third servant. Okay, Entitlement destroys work ethic. Last worker in the parable shows he had strong feelings of entitlement. He even accused God of stealing. He, he said, you know, hey, I know that you get what you, what you didn't plant. I know you harvest where you didn't sow. He, he said, you know, you're taking from me is what the worker felt like. So if God wants to earn all we can, it's clear in this parable. We're to earn all we can. So how do we do it? Well, once we've detoxed from our toxic relationship with work, and we're not like that third servant. We, we move into the role of the first and second servants. This is how we do. First, this, first is this. If we're to earn all we can, which God wants us to do, first is this. Work a legitimate job. Work a legitimate job. Proverbs 12, 11 says this. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Okay? Now, I want to tell you guys something. Fifteen years ago, I guess I could have been accused of chasing fantasy. Because I left a steady youth ministry gig where at a large church and chased the fantasy of planting this church. I guess that was chasing a fantasy, maybe. Or going after dream. I don't want to say that any, start, um, stepping out to pursue your dream or doing what God wants you to do. I don't want to call that fantasy because uh, there's a fine line there. But here's the thing. This is something I tell my kids. You work the job you have to work until you work the job you want to work. There is a stage in life, maybe you're in it right now, where you're working a job that you do not like. That's okay. I've had a job I don't like. Any older adult, an <laughs> older adult, any older adult has had a job we don't like, okay? That's part of life. That's okay. But you work the job you have to work until you work the job you want to work. I work for Little Caesars, delivering pizzas, for a summer, you think that was what I wanted to do? No, but I needed a job, I worked the job I had to work until I worked the job I wanted to work, okay? Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. The reason that you do this is that raises and promotions are the norm, not the exception. If you stay at a job and work that job like God wants you to work, raises and promotions are the norm, not the exception, okay? If you fly from job to job to job, if you get up upset with the, with the boss, oh, they don't like me over there, I don't know what they're doing. I've heard that so much and you fly from job to job. I talked to a guy who had seven W-2s in the same year. Seven jobs. Well, what are you doing every single time? You're starting over at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom, every single time, okay? If you stay, Work a legitimate job. Every, everyone who doesn't work has a scheme that does. Don't fall for it. Remember, the greatest generator of of your income is your job. It's amazing to me, however. How many Christians view this? Guys, it's estimated that a person will spend 100,000 hours of their life working. 100,000 hours. Now, do you think that God has something to say about those 100,000 hours? Absolutely he does. He has a plan for those 100,000 hours for you, and we need to go after that. You're not here to do what you want to do. You're here to do what God wants you to do, okay? That's 50 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, 40 years It's just average. God is sovereign over those 100,000 hours. And, uh, and so so many of us don't ever ask God, what do you want me to do? What is my legitimate job? What do you want me to spend 100,000 hours of my life doing? We don't ask those questions. Christian parents don't ask their children that, that question. Christian grandparents don't ask their grandchildren that question. What did God put you on this earth to do with those hundred thousand hours? Okay, most Christians are incapable of asking questions deeper than, "Well, what do I? You know, what do I do, and how can I make the most money?" Okay, it's terrible. Um, so, guys, are you doing as a live for a living what God wants you to do? That's a huge question. Are you doing? what you were put on this earth to do. And if you're not, you need to change it now. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but once an hour's gone, it's gone. It's gone. You cannot get those hours back. You cannot get the wasted years of your life back. But you can change the future. You can change from this point forward. You can do what God wants you to do. I know some of you guys want, know exactly what God wants you to do, but you're afraid to do it. You're afraid to step out, take that risk. And doing what what God wants you to do. Only you know that. If you're but I'll say this: God will never call you to a profession where you have to compromise your faith. If you are working a job that forces you to miss church every Sunday, you're in the wrong profession. If you are working a job that causes you to compromise your honesty or your integrity, you're in the wrong profession. If you're in a working a job that's making you cynical and bitter and is destroying your joy and destroying, uh, the, 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 turning you to this huge black hole that sucks the joy out of every situation, you're in the wrong profession because work is a blessing. So are you in a profession where God gifted you? You understand that God gives you talents and abilities, things that you do well, things you love to do. Do you know he created you that way? He created you that way for a reason, because that's what you're supposed to do for a living. He he did not create me, who has no organization ability whatsoever, who cannot stand sitting in an office all day. He did not design me to be an accountant, okay? I can't account my way out of a paper bag, okay? That's the wrong profession for me. There's nothing wrong with being an accountant, but that's not what God put me here to do. He put me here because I love to speak. I love to preach. I love to, uh, I don't uh, I, okay, I gotta calm down a little bit. I love it. I would rather preach than do anything. And that's why God, he made me that way, and he called me to ministry, okay? See, the things that God made you, he made you that way for a reason. He made you to, to, with abilities and talents, and that is what you're supposed to do. Someone said your calling is where your ability meets a worldwide need. Okay, that's what you're supposed to do. What you're calling calling is your ability meeting a worldwide need. That's what you're supposed to do. We're gonna spend 100,000 hours of our lives working people, make them count for God's kingdom. Okay, second thing we do, we make wise investments. You wanna earn all you can, make wise investments. We have to put our money to work. We don't just work, we have to put our money to work. Proverbs 13, 11 says this, dishonest money dwindles away. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Did you know that Proverbs has something to say about your, about your savings, about investments? Like, whoa, you mean the Bible has something to say about that? Yeah, it has something to say about everything, okay? If you're going to earn all you can, you need to invest money in things to make your money grow. The word investing scared me. I thought that's what, like, billionaires did. And it scared me. Because I'm small time, you guys. I don't, I don't make a lot of money. I never have. And so I thought investing was for people that were wealthy. Well, uh, uh, at Financial Peace University, they said, if you, want to do, if you want to be poor, do what poor people do. You want to be wealthy? Do what wealthy people do. There's a reason the poor people are poor and the reason the wealthy people are wealthy. Just do what they do. And so, I, well, wealthy people invest. So uh, about 12 years ago, 11 years ago, I got my massive $500, and I went down to an investing place, and, and I said, uh, hey, I need to start investing. And I figured they'd laugh me out of the room. Hey, come back when you got 5000 or 50000 or whatever. I had my little 500 bucks. I had five $100 bills. And the, the, the person said, okay, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to invest? So I said, well, that's where you come in. I don't know. And the person looked at my phone and said, well, uh, uh, what, what, what phone service do you have? And I said, AT&T. He goes, well, why don't we invest in at and They've got a great dividend, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, is that a good investment? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a good, solid investment. And so I bought my first stock in AT&T. Uh, that was about 11 years ago. Um, now, uh, that stock, when I sold it, was worth $1,107. It had doubled and then some. Okay? Uh, I hadn't done anything. I hadn't earned it. I, I just invested it. And when I sold it to roll, roll over to my Roth IRA, um, it, was, it had more than doubled. Okay? That's how investing works. That's what the Bible says to do. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. It's what the proverb says, what we're supposed to do. Okay? Like I said, I'm small time. But I took the percentage of the, look at the return uh, I've gotten. It's not rocket science. The Bible said whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And don't let the word invest scare you like it, like it, like it is. Uh, I wish I'd have done this 20 years ago. To all you young people, you, you people in your teens and 20s, would you please do this? How many of you older people in your 40s and 50s, if you could tell young people something, tell them to invest? Yes, I'd like every hand is up. Yes, absolutely. If we'd have done this when we were their age, we'd be working because we want to, not because we have to. True? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Listen to the old people. Listen to them, Okay. So, uh, and and here's here's another reason you invest. I don't know if you've noticed, but things are more expensive now than they used to be. Did you know that? That $10,000 does not buy what $10,000 did 20 years ago. Did you know that? That's called inflation. So if you take $10,000 and you set it in an envelope and you sit and you bury it in the yard for 20 years, it's gonna be $10,000, but it's gonna be worth less. You're gonna be able to purchase less. How many of y'all been to the grocery store recently? Good night. It's unbelievable how expensive food is right now. So, guys, if your money is not growing, you're actually losing money. Your $20 bill is losing value every time, uh, every day because of inflation. So you need to be investing so that your money doesn't lose value. Okay? All right? You need to invest at 2% or 3% just to maintain what you have. So after we invest wisely. uh, Third is this. You look for ways to increase income. Uh, Guys, since 2008, since we planted, planted this church, I've always had a side gig. I don't know if you all know that or not. Always had a side gig. I was either coaching soccer, I was refereeing soccer. I was—I've uh, delivered newspapers. I uh, substitute taught. I've done financial counseling. I've written a book. Uh, now I played in an '80s and '90s cover band. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. I get to sing 8675309 every night. It's just great. Yeah, but uh, guys, I've always had a side gig to to increase income. Um, because as, as a pastor, I've had a family to support and, and just, you don't make much money. So I've ha- always had a side gig to help make things meet and so that we can invest. Um, but I found when God says he provides, everybody hear this, when God said he provides, he doesn't provide money, at least he hasn't for me. What God has, when God, God says he's provide, he is our provider, he's always provided me with an opportunity to work. Um, I, every, every one of us know, we all heard stories about someone who was on their, their, their last dollar and they went to check the mail and there's a $10,000 check in the mail waiting for them. Have you heard those stories? Whoever's sending out those checks, put me on the list, will you? Because I have never gotten one of those. When God says, um, God, when, when God says he provides what he's always provided me for is, is an ability to work. Jobs have come up. Now I had to go after it. I had to work it. But that's how God has always provided for me. I've never been without employment, never been without a job. When God says he, he, he provides, he provides you an opportunity to work. Let's stop waiting for the $10,000 checks in the mail. Let's stop, uh, let's stop that because that's nonsense. That's not biblical, okay? We're, we're supposed to go to work, right? So uh, I, I think about it. I have a college degree and a master's degree, guys. You think it was fun delivering newspapers? You think I felt like that was beneath me? You think it was fun substitute teaching? With, I, 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 if I had an attitude, a bad attitude about work, I could have said, well, this is beneath me. I'm not gonna do it. But guys, if you have the attitude that no job is beneath you, no job is beneath you, then you will always have work and you will always be able to provide. Like I said, you work the job. You have to work until you work the job. You wanna work so here's some suggestions. If you, are, if you need to increase some income, here's some suggestions. You can referee sports. Huge need for refereeing sports. Uh, you can babysit. Uh, you can uh, uh, do DoorDash. Uh, capitalize on people's laziness. And they want their food delivered to them. They're too lazy to go get it themselves. Capitalize on that, okay? Make some money off of that. Uh, you can substitute teach. You can deliver pizzas. I've done it all, okay? Um, the ways you, can eat, you can Uber if you have a car that fits the, Criteria. Uh, you can rent out a room for an Airbnb. Um, you can have a yard sale. How many of y'all have hundreds if not thousands of junk laying around your house? You could sell. Uh, absolutely. Okay, declare. You can eliminate overlaps where you're paying for more subscriptions. Like, like if you have a bundle here and you're paying for you got Hulu and Disney and, and, and ESPN and a bundle here and you're paying for Hulu over here. Eliminate those overlaps, okay? Um, uh, You can coach Coach sports Always need coaches for sports And if you're at your wits end And nothing else works Write a book But I don't recommend that Because that's a lot of work For not much return Okay So um, And then here's something I want to tell you as a pastor This is something I told my kids And I'll tell you today I want you to position yourself for success Everybody check this out There are are ten things that require zero talent The employer's And people are looking for that will allow you to maximize your income. Number one, be on time. Two, have a good work ethic. Three, effort. Four, body language. You know what I mean by body language? You can communicate without communicating how much you like your job. Okay? What is your body language saying? Energy, attitude, passion, being coachable. Being coachable being prepared and number 10 is going the extra mile. Now what do we mean by extra mile is this. Matthew 5:41 said this. Jesus said, if someone forces you to go 1 mile, go with them 2 miles. Now, that doesn't mean much to us right now, but he was, he was talking to a Jewish audience that was under Roman occupation. Check this out. The, the, the law said that a Roman soldier could force a Jewish person to carry their load, their weapons and their load, for one mile. And so Roman soldiers would go up to the house, and they'd knock on the door, and they'd drag the people out. Put their load on them, and they had to walk a mile with them. The Jewish people had a, had a mile marked off where they had to do this. Okay, that's what he's referring to. And so you're, here, here's this Roman soldier that forces you to do this, and you're complaining the whole time. I can't believe this. I, I was supposed to be working. Now I'm behind in my work. Walking a mile, that carrying this person's load. I'll probably be made fun of the whole time. Jesus said, "Go another mile." Can you imagine? The look on that Roman soldier's face when the Jewish person sees the mile marker and keeps, and keeps walking and keeps walking and keeps walking and keeps walking, the Roman soldier's like, what is wrong with this guy? The mile marker was back there and he's still going. What? What's going on here? Most of the time they throw the pack down and, you know, curse at us and, and go back home. This guy's going. What is up with this guy? And then the next time he does it. And the next time, and all of a sudden, the Roman soldier looks at this, this guy and says, Man, there's something different about you. Maybe, hmm, there's something different about you. And the Roman soldier, after two miles, looks at that Jewish person and says, You know what, man? If you ever need anything, if any of my buddies start hassling you, if uh, if you ever need anything, you call me because I've never seen somebody not only go one mile but go an extra mile on his own, on his, on his own desire, on his own volition. I've never seen that. So man, if you need me for anything, if you need anything and, and, and if, if we're ever invaded, I'm defending your house first because I've never seen somebody go the extra mile like that. See so, guys, if you go the extra mile, you will stand out from the crowd so much that you will catch the eye of every person around, okay? Now, this is why we as a church need Christians to earn all they can, to go the extra mile, that earn all they can. This is why. Did you know? I'll tell you why. Number one, American Christians last year spent more than how much sponsoring orphans? American Christians alone, what do you think the number is? A billion? How many of y'all think a billion? How many of y'all think two billion? Three? Four, five, six, well, if you raise your hand at six, you'd be correct. American Christians alone, that's just American Christians, spent $6 billion through programs like World Vision, Compassion, our Catalyst Orphanage. I don't think they factored that in there, but we are there too. $6 billion rescuing orphans from poverty, from sex trafficking, providing with food, water, shelter, education. Okay, If Christians aren't earning all they can, how can we do that? Next month, I am so fired up about this. Me and Rodney, Sam and Rowan and Tony, we're flying over to India. And you know what we're gonna get to do? We're gonna get to see the wells that we as a church paid for, for these people to have clean water. We're gonna visit them and we're gonna dedicate a third. A third well, we're going to get to see it. We're going to see the first water come out of it so people have clean water. Now, if we didn't earn all we can and we didn't give, we couldn't do stuff like that. We could not have a building. You guys enjoy having a building to come worship in? You guys enjoy having seats to, to, to sit in? You guys enjoy having air conditioning during the, during the summer and, and the heat during the wintertime? I do. Well, if we weren't earning all we can, we couldn't do any of that. Okay, so we could not do the things that we we do if Christians were not earning all they can. If we don't have financial resources, at church we can't do anything. We can't plant churches. Elevate would not exist. Uh, we we couldn't support missionaries. All of our missionaries would be home. Uh, we wouldn't be able to help the poor. We'd be able to support orphans. But guys, it's also for here, not just not just over there. But guys. Several years ago, researchers asked 50 people over age 95, if you could do one thing, if you could do it all over, what would you do different? And they said they would risk more. Their biggest regrets, you guys, were the things they didn't have the courage to do the first time around. There were things that they had in uh, the, the three of the comments were: I wish I would have asked her to marry me. I wish I would have started that business that I wanted to do. I wish I would have quit my safe job and done what made me happy. There's a people over 95 that said that. Your biggest regrets in life are not going to be the things you did and failed. They're going to be the things you didn't have the chance, you didn't have the opportunity to do. So several people said, I wish I would have started my own business. I was good at making things, and I didn't. Well, here's the truth. According to Entree Leadership, 75% of small businesses use their own personal finances to start up. So if you don't earn all you can, you have no money to invest in your dream job. If you want to start a job, uh, that's what we did. My wife and I, that's what we did. I had a dream of planning a church. Um, and, and, and ever since 1998, I wanted to be a church planner. And 10 years later, God called us to do that. We raised money, but Rachel and I, we put so much of our own money into this. I, we cashed out half of our retirement and put it towards the startup cost of this church. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have been able to do that, Okay. Now 15 years later, I can honestly say it's the best investment I ever made, you guys. Now, earning all you can, you can go after your dreams. You have the capital to go after your dreams because no one's gonna believe in you as much as you. Okay, I'm not gonna be one of those 95-year-olds saying I wish I would have. I don't want you to be either. When God gives you a dream to go after, you go after it, but you have to earn all you can in order to make that happen. Okay, I believe Catalyst was a God-given dream and so blessed to be living it right now and I want that for all of you all too. In the second century, Pastor Irenaeus said, the glory of God is a man fully alive, fully alive. I wanna ask you, working your job right now, are you fully alive? That is what, that is what God wants for you, okay? So if you're not doing for a living what God wants you to do, what he put you on this earth to do, you're wasting time. And time is something we don't have a lot of. Guys, when a person is doing what God put you on this earth to do, you're alive. You're fully alive. When a church does what God put us on this earth, we're fully alive. And that's what I want for all of us. That starts with earning all you can. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. It's the greatest teaching on finances I've ever heard in my life. Guys, remember three things to remember God blesses those who take what He has given them and put it to work. Your abilities, your talents, your capital, put them to work. Second, earn all you can so the church can do the work of God in this world. And then earn all you can so you can go after the God-sized dreams that he gives you. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Adios. Bye.